This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing. And today I've got a repeat guest on the show, Michelle Grant from Salesforce. Michelle is a seasoned researcher who helps global organizations build the future of their business. At Salesforce, Michelle is a senior manager, strategy and insights, retail and consumer goods, where she blends data and analysis to create thought-provoking content around the impact of digital transformation in retail and consumer goods. Welcome back to the show, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Kiri. I'm excited to be here. Yes, and I'm excited to learn as much as I can from you about this corner of the internet and commerce together, which I know very little about. I'll be the first to admit. And that's NFTs and how NFTs intersect with retail. And I noticed that you've gotten really into interested in this topic. And so I'd like to learn a little bit about what initially piqued your interest here. Definitely. The good news is that it's so new and fresh that no one's a true expert yet. So we're all learning as we go. And that's part of the excitement around, at least for me, to dive in and really understand what's happening. But I like to you know, put it in context a bit. Making digital purchases is not truly a new phenomenon. In fact, when I was the head of retail at Euromonitor, we tracked how much people spent inside gaming apps. So people would buy, you know, different weapons for games, they would buy skins, which is, you know, kind of digital fashion. So this behavior around buying digital assets has been around for a while and I've been loosely tracking it, but NFTs really caught fire for everyone in early 2021. And that was when there was a boom in NBA Top Shot sports NFTs. So you could buy digital trading cards, essentially, or digital clips of Hmm. different sports iconic moments. And that really dominated a lot of the discussion around this new technology of these NFTs where you had authentic, verified ownership of this digital asset on the blockchain. And then this was supplemented by a huge sale of an NFT that was created by the digital artist Beeple. It sold for $69 million. And the combination of both those sort of behaviors and the money associated with them really got people thinking about NFTs and what could be done with them and what the future of sort of the internet could be with this new non-fungible token technology that is you know, built on the blockchain. We won't get too technical here, but I just wanted to throw out that the NFT is indeed an acronym. And so with those two stories, you know, consumer packaged goods, brands, consumer brands and retailers, you know, took notice. And we saw a lot of experimentation with NFTs that spring. A lot of it was kind of sort of marketing activations where like Charmin toilet paper would mint NFTs and sell them and donate the proceeds. And that sort of company movement gained a lot of traction with 
all of the different analysts talking about it on Twitter over the summer and then in the fall. And it really gained momentum in the fall, I would say. And then I was honored to be included in a group called the Crypto Package Goods Community in October of 2021, which is a collective of different members who can buy NFTs and get access to a Telegram channel where we can talk about different trends and happenings in the NFT space and the wider crypto world. That is so cool. We'll definitely have to link up to that crypto package goods community in the show notes of this episode because that sounds like a great resource for people who want to go down <laughs> go down a rabbit hole as you have. Oh, definitely. And yeah, we can link to quite a few Twitter profiles of folks who are really into the space, like Chris Catino, Jamie Schmidt, who spearheaded the crypto package goods communities. They're great resources on Twitter, as well as the CPG Twitter handle that is becoming sort of a fantastic source of memes about crypto. So So what have been like the most interesting examples that you've seen so far of retailers and retail brands leveraging NFTs? I think as far as multi-brand retailers, we haven't seen too much happening in that space yet. Walmart has filed several trademarks that hints that they'll move into this space, but no action on their part yet. I think one of the most fascinating ones that I saw was Macy's. They launched an NFT collection based off of different iconic balloons from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and they auctioned them off and donated the money. So we see a lot of brands and retailers doing that type of activation where they're taking some of their brand heritage and creative to just launch a straightforward NFT project where people can buy them as a collectible. And then oftentimes the proceeds are donated to a charity. Two brands that really are going to lead the forefront are Nike and Adidas when it comes to the metaverse or NFTs. But Adidas right now has done the most work around NFTs. And so I'm going to go into a long explanation about what they're doing and then explain why I chose Adidas as the example and what we can learn from what this company is doing in the NFT space specifically. Giddy up. So here we go. So Adidas this fall created an NFT or NFTs called Into the Metaverse. And they did this in partnership with brands and creators that have a legacy and history, albeit, you know, not too far back because it's still relatively new in NFTs. The Board Ape Yacht Club. Punk Comics and G Money. It's always funny to talk about the space because it has its own language. And I never thought I would say things like board ape yacht club (laughs) in a professional setting, but here we are. So they created this digital artwork. They named that into the metaverse. And that artwork was combined with physical products that are being released in drops throughout 2022. So what kind of physical products, just like that regular, but like footwear and apparel? Yep. Apparel, footwear, in order to get that physical product, you have to own one of these NFTs. Okay. 
And then to add a little bit more complexity, when you redeem, quote unquote, redeem your NFT, it'll actually change its digital aspects. So the art actually evolves over time in the NFTs as you go through the redemption process. So that is one part of the NFT, the original into the metaverse. And then just last week, Adidas announced an evolution of the NFT project with Prada. They've been doing a collaboration with Prada on different fashion types called uh, Resource. And so they've taken that partnership and collaboration and applied it to the NFT world. So the second part of the NFT is that if you hold the Into the Metaverse NFT, you get priority in submitting a digital image to be used in a digital piece of art created by the digital artist, Zach Lieberman. So if you hold these NFTs, you get early access, you get the ability to submit an image that could possibly be used in a high quality piece of artwork done by a renowned artist in the digital space. Hmm. And that piece of art, you know, sort of, I don't know if it'll be a collage or how he's going to, you know, assemble all of these images, but it'll be one final piece. And then it'll be used in the Adidas and Prada campaigns. Again, don't know how, but it'll be used sort of in a marketing context. And then it'll also be auctioned off on an NFT marketplace. So that piece of artwork will be sold. And this is, you know, again, another aspect that's really fascinating is that the revenue generated by the final piece of artwork will be split between Zach, the artist, obviously paying him for his time, the Slow Factory, which is a nonprofit organization that helps people gain employment, and the individual contributors whose digital images were chosen to be in the final NFT. Right. Did that make sense? Yeah. So if I have, you know, a picture of my cat and I submit it as a contributor, it ends up being used in this image, this collaboration, and then it gets auctioned off then, you know, because I submitted an image of my own, I could actually end up making money from being part of this sort of into the metaverse community. Yeah, correct. And so obviously you can earn money, but you also get the, you know, kind of bragging rights that you're part of a campaign image and you were used in artwork created by a prestigious digital artist. And if you hold the original NFT called Into the Metaverse, you get priority to submit a digital image. So they're only going to take, I think, 3,000. Don't quote me on that directly. And so there's only so many people. So there's different priorities. So if you hold into the metaverse, you get priority. If you tried to buy into the metaverse, but you were waitlisted, you're second in line. And then third in line is anyone who wants to contribute. So again, that NFT, the original one, unlocks a lot of different aspects. The first was the physical products that are going to be unique to the NFT holders. And now the second one is participating or at least having the priority to participate in this digital artwork and perhaps earn money from that. So this is one of the reasons why I chose this 
example is this NFT unlocks a lot of different things and it's not necessarily set in stone. You don't know what's going to happen next, right? The Prada announcement was a surprise. Some brands in the NFT space will share their roadmap and say, hey, we're going to you know, unlock physical product. You're, you're going to get special event access. You're going to do this. But in the Adidas case, there's this element of surprise and delight because they can take that NFT and layer a lot of different digital and real world activations for these token holders or NFT holders. Today's sponsor is Cinder. Cinder makes tax season feel like a Friday night because it helps Amazon businesses to close their books correctly, always have a P&L report and balance sheet and inventory tracking on hand. If you run your business on more than one sales channel, Cinder is perfect for you to have all of your revenue and expenses data in one ecosystem and set up KPIs that work for your business. You can start Cinder with 56% off with the coupon code EASYBOOKS by going to Cinder's website. That's cinder.me, S-Y-N-D-E-R dot me slash brain trust. That's cinder.me slash brain trust. And again, use the coupon code EASYBOOKS to get a discount and also receive a actionable e-commerce checklist. Manage your data like a Thanos. So what you explained, you did a lovely job of explaining this use case, which is interesting. It all seemed a little bit esoteric until you explained like first in line, second in line, and it almost started to sound like a new way that brands can sort of create a loyalty program and community in a way. Is that sort of a future use case that you see for brands and retailers here that to sort of look revamp their approach to connecting with their customers and rewarding them and keeping them engaged yes definitely the long term one of the long term probably strongest use cases is a new way to engage your super fans and your community through a new type of technology nfts And there's another thing that we haven't really talked about and probably could go down another rabbit hole on is you can also create your own digital currency, a token. So they could create Adidas coins if they wanted to. And that coin would also, you know, unlock different types of benefits and, you know, to keep people loyal to your brand and be rewarded for holding this coin. And the beauty about a coin, you know, Adidas coin, similar to Bitcoin, the other coins out there is you can redeem it, you know, you can sell it to someone else, you could sell it to get more cryptocurrency, and then you can cash out and sell it on the open market and turn it into fiat currency. So there is a strong use case for loyalty in crypto, both with the NFTs and creating your own and coins. And, and those are the two sort of use cases that I'm very bullish about. Yeah. Awesome. This kind of might bleed into that statement there, but the listeners of this show is mostly mid-sized consumer brands. So they're not startups, but they're not necessarily having access to enterprise level budgets either. I think that 
in this context, that might even give some brands an advantage in terms of speed to execute and the levity to experiment with these kinds of innovations. And the examples that you gave were from really large brands, but actually being able to innovate with this requires some pretty quick thinking. So might be an opportunity. Anyway, what do you think are the immediate and long-term opportunities are for these sort of challenger brands in the mid-market space as it pertains to NFTs? Yeah, I think a word of caution first. I'm an analyst. I would urge people to think about whether or not an NFT is a good fit for your brand. As we talked about, you need a highly engaged community that is tech savvy. Navigating the NFT world, the crypto world, it's an entirely different language, as I've pointed out. It has its own audience. There's a lot of user obstacles, I would say. The UX on some of the wallets, the fact that you have to pay a transaction fee, which is known as a gas fee, to make these purchases, and that fluctuates. There's a lot of just barriers to entry. So right now, the audience is very you know, tech savvy, excited about crypto. They'd have to be passionate about your brand because this is sort of you know a loyalty play. So it may not be a good fit for your brand and that's fine. I don't think you're going to miss out on anything. And in fact, if you go down this route, you know, you could be diverting resources that would be best put somewhere else. So I just want to caution people that you really do want to, as they say in crypto, do your own research, which then gets to be an acronym of D-Y-O-R. So again, very, very unique space. So you really do want to familiarize yourself with it before you jump in. So I recommend you can, you know, buy a few low cost NFTs just to see how it works. There's a lot of the mentality and ethos about the space is that it's open to everyone and decentralized. So you can follow brands like Adidas and Nike, especially Adidas on Twitter, uh, Adidas Originals, their handle is dedicated to talking about their initiatives. You can join brands Discord. So that's kind of like a chat community and learn what people are saying and how those discords are set up, how they're organized to see what's important, you know, obviously the press releases and, and their website. So there's a lot of information out there given by the brands who are participating in that space. So you can learn what's going on and what are best practices to see if those things apply to your brand. And then once you have done that research and have a better understanding of the space and you feel like there's value to add to your brand, you can start experimenting. And like I said, we've seen these big companies, you know, dip their toes in just by creating an NFT to sell. And if you really want to you know, have credibility in the space and authenticity. The best way is to sort of work with a digital artist in the NFT space to create that one, to really add value to the NFT, make sure it gets traction. So again, you see that with Adidas, they partnered with three key leading brands and creators in the space, you know, to really make sure that the NFT suited their audience. And then you'll need to think about where the funds go, right? You are selling a digital asset. You will raise money and your community will want to know where that money is going. If it's going to R&D, a new product launch or donation. So that's where you see a lot of the big brands, as I said, like even Coca-Cola created some collectibles, but the funds went to a charity. So I think that's a great safe bet. You can dip your toes in. You can raise the money for a good cause. 
yeah, raising money also like that could have a use case for brands who want to like validate a new product idea and also fund the launch of it in the past. You might go to Kickstarter or something like that for a startup at least to validate that. But for an existing brand, that could be a really neat way to both measure demand and get some feedback and also have your own customers support the launch of a new product. I love that idea. Definitely. Yes. And we're starting to see that there's a I don't know if I would call it a brand now, but there is a collective organization called The Leisure Project, which is using NFTs to raise money to build a beverage for creatives. So you can buy the NFT, which I don't think is launched yet, and you can then have a say in, you know, packaging designs, what kind of flavors would you like to see? You're communicating uh-huh. with the founders in Discord. However, I will say that, you know, there's a lot of fraud that still happens in this space. There's a lot of fly-by-night operations where they will raise money and, you know, just abscond with it. So again, if you're experimenting and you want to participate in some of these, what I call Web3 native brands that are using this fundraising mechanism, you have to be very careful. And, you know, again, but if you're already an established brand and you want to do sort of a product extension or a new product category, and you have that reputation of being a real company that isn't just going to take the money and run, it would be a good step. The other thing I will caution is the legal implications of this type of fundraising really haven't been sorted out as far as regulations around if you're using this as a you know mechanism to raise money, is that a security? If so, how right. do you treat that tax-wise? How do you treat that? Oh gosh, this will take forever yeah. to figure out. <laughs> right. So I don't necessarily encourage being the early adopter, maybe a fast follower. So there's still uh-huh. a lot of regulation and tax things that are being talked about, but haven't been implemented. So that's why I kind of steer away from using NFTs as a fundraising mechanism for business, or even in some cases, there's been talk of you know selling NFTs or tokens to represent stock ownership. And that is a murky area as well. So I kind of would follow like the Coca-Colas of the world where, you know, they sell this and then they donate the money. And that seems to be a bit, you know, if Coca-Colas pass that, pass their lawyers, then that's probably a good bet that you could do the same. Well, they probably have tried a few different approaches and that was the only one that the lawyers would sign off on. So, but to your point, (laughs) (laughs) that might be the safest to pursue for now. Okay. Well, this has been very informative. Yeah. And just to circle back, like, again, like we talked about how, you know, in my opinion, the long-term opportunity for, you know, mid-sized consumer brands is really to have a closer relationship with their customers. You know, you could create the NFTs and you give those holders access to exclusive products, special events, special discounts, and then engage them in private Discord communities that are unlocked by being an NFT holder and they get that special treatment. So you can think of it as a community-driven loyalty program. And certainly to be successful at it, you really do need to have a long-term strategy and then the resources to make that strategy come to life for your audience. Love it. Okay. So I've got some rapid fire questions for you, Michelle. What are you excited about in the world of e-commerce? 
Oh, wow. There is so much to be excited about always in retail. And I know this is not necessarily e-commerce straight away, but I am very curious or passionate about how QR codes are evolving in the retail space. So yeah, that's something that I'm excited about. And I can't wait. As you probably know, Amazon is going to open a new quote unquote department store at the end of the year, and it's going to be like QR code forward. So I'm really curious about how people, you know, consumers have now adopted QR codes and how brands and retailers can leverage that technology to think of new experiences. Yeah, that's an interesting one because that technology has been around for quite a long time and never really took off and it finally has. So it's finally met its place in the world. Yeah, it's finally hitting its potential. (laughs) You just never know, right? Yeah. What if you changed your mind about recently? Oh, right. A good analyst is always evaluating new data to update their opinion. So I think the biggest sort of thing that I'm recently changing my mind about is the need for a mobile app. So back in the day, I thought, you know, a mobile app was really only necessary for big brands and retailers that had products that were purchased frequently, right? There was limited space in your phone. It's expensive to build an app. It's expensive to get people to download the app and then remember to use it once it's on your phone. And in some cases around like 2016, we really, you know, thought that there was a peak of mobile apps and people wouldn't download anything else. And we saw brands like Patagonia actually discontinue their apps around that year and opt for progressive web apps. But now I'm changing my mind on the viability of having an app, no matter what your product category is. And I think two things that have led me to reevaluate are just like the advance of technology and then the pandemic. So I went back in time and it's really crazy when you think about it. The first iPhone had a maximum capacity of 16 gigabytes of storage, and that was the high end. And the iPhone 13 has a minimum of 126 gigabytes (laughs) and a maximum of one terabyte of storage. I had to look up how to pronounce terabyte because I don't think I've actually used that word before. And so... You have this technology about you can have almost infinitive and then, you know, you could pay for I pay for cloud storage for all my photos and videos, which is three dollars a month. So you can have like unlimited content on your phone now, which is amazing. So that I think has encouraged people to download apps, maybe a bit more with more frequency and without hesitation than in the past. Yep. And then during the height of the pandemic, kind of like the resurgence of the QR code, retail apps had a resurgence because a lot of the fulfillment options that included a pickup in store curbside could only be done through the apps at the beginning, right? They didn't have time to, you know, both update their app and their website. And then the app has the ability to track your location if you enable it. So it was easy for them to understand when you were in the store or at curbside through that geolocation that could only be done through an app. So those two things have really spurred my mind and now to change my mind. And now we see, you know, brands who are investing in those apps are really thinking about it as a distinct channel for their loyal customers. And as a result, they're rewarding those loyal customers with exclusive features to that app, whether that's 
putting their loyalty program first and central. Many new apps make you sign up for the loyalty program before you can enter the app. You get special in-store features like wayfinding in those apps. And like I said, maybe curbside experience and then app exclusive products and promotions. And why they're doing that is because again, you know, people are more inclined to download them in my opinion, but also with the disappearance of cookies and the cost of digital marketing going up, you really want people going to your own channels and the app, you know, gives you a lot of first party data about shopping behaviors, but also the push notification is really becoming an important part of the marketing mix and it doesn't cost to send out that push notification. It's guaranteed to be on the screen. So yeah, I guess those are all the reasons why I'm changing my mind about the need for a mobile app. Yeah, I like the argument that you laid out there. That makes a lot of sense. So you don't spend all of your time on Discord servers following crypto product (laughs) innovations. What are you working on right now that listeners might be interested in? Yeah, between Twitter and Discord, though, I do spend TikTok. I do spend a lot. I might be an extremely online person for better or for worse now that I'm sort of stuck at home because of the pandemic. But I do have a day job. And in that day job, I led the research for Salesforce's fourth edition of the Connected Shoppers Report, which was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. It talks about the different consumer behaviors, what drives loyalty, how they view the store. So really all-encompassing view of consumer shopping habits. And that was published in November of 2021. So fresh off the press. And the easiest way to find it is to just Google Salesforce Connected Shoppers Report. We're a big company. So you can go to the Resource Center, but you'll also find a, a lot of resources from Salesforce. So Google is probably the fastest way, believe it or not. Or hopefully we can link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Yep. So Salesforce Connected Shoppers Report. We'll link up to that. And where can people follow or connect with you? As I said, I am a extremely online person. I am on Twitter a lot. So you can follow me on Twitter at MG Talks Retail. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Michelle Grant, Salesforce. Thank you, Michelle. I'll catch you around. Yes. Thank you for having me again. It was a pleasure. 